Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a beautiful but noisy New London night. It is uh, one of the joys about recording outdoors is that there's a lot of lot of noise. It's really only noisy the last like minute. Yeah, that's <laughs> color. Um, but uh, it's a yeah, it's a beautiful day and it's great to be back. How you doing, Andrew? Very well. Happy to be here. Great. Well, I know you worked all day, so you may not have seen this. But the greatest running back who ever laced on uh, cleats, Jim Brown, passed away today. I didn't. Wow. At the age of 87. Oh, man. Dead or alive. Breaking news. Dead or alive. He is one of three (laughs) Syracuse running backs who are in the Hall of Fame. The other two spent most of their careers in the AFC Though one of them was a famous early free agent acquisition by an NFC team. Who are they? And are they dead or alive? One of them has been an answer to the dead or alive before. Did I get it right? <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. Man, that's um, just twisting the knife. <laughs> twisting the knife. Shut up. So the name is in your brain. Oh, you don't know? Fuck you. <laughs> somewhere. Now you don't know twice. I could give you I could give you the teams if that would help. I mean Miami yeah. and Den Miami and Denver. Hall of Fame. One was a fullback, one was a halfback. Uh Larry Zonka? Larry Zonka is correct. Dead or alive? Um dead. No, he's still alive. He's been alive both times. You've guessed he was dead both times. <laughs> and if we keep doing this, someday <laughs> you'll someday, someday, be right. Someday, someday you'll be right. Someday. Uh, you said, Who, who's the Denver running back? Denver running back in the Hall of Fame. Um, that's not. Goes back to the 70s, although he's the most recently elected. You said he was an early free agent? No, that was that Zonka. Zonka to, yeah, yeah, he oh, went yeah. To going to the Giants. Yep. No, he played his whole career, I think, in Denver. I have no idea. Floyd Little. Probably. Never heard of him. No, 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 uh, no. That's I know. That is name. he dead or alive? Dead. Yeah, he is dead. He died in twenty twenty one. Among the receivers who were who were Floyd Little's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but oh. in twenty sixteen, okay. among the receivers who are in the Hall of Fame from Syracuse are Art Monk and Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Sure. How are you doing, Zach? Uh, I'm doing well. Actually, I was a little distracted during uh, your dead or alive to Andrew because I there's some breaking news that. Ned Lamont, uh, Connecticut governor, is going to be meeting with Gary Bettman to discuss relocating the uh, f- now, I think it's fair to say, former Arizona uh, Coyotes There's, to Hartford. I was in my in my UConn Twitter echo chamber. The whole there is a lot of UConn has a is it UConn is a part of this. Um, the whole kind of whether they're going to leave the XL Center or not or get anywhere. Now is the time. Because that that franchise, the Coyotes, is yeah, yeah, they're that, moving. Yeah, they, they they've got to move. Right? They, yeah. they keep yeah. Um, Let's do it. Throw all. We have like a six point five billion dollars surplus. Spend like a billion of it. Build the best arena in Hartford. Why not? Or because it's taxpayers' dollars yeah. for billionaires. Maybe we could, you know, fund programs. <laughs> Bulldoze as many homes <laughs> as you need. Put up a good arena. Like I want to see Hartford hockey again. I haven't seen Hartford hockey since I was. Eight, maybe? Yeah, I think they left when you were nine. I just There's got to be like a hockey-crazed Steve Cohen type in Conne- in fucking Connecticut, of all places, in Ra- Fairfield County. Ray, like, Ray Dahlia? Maybe, he, maybe, maybe Ray Dahlia. Pony up. Oh, we it. need like some sad kid. And, and we could start it in, We could they could start it in the, in the stadium in Bridgeport, which yeah. is bigger than the stadium because the Coyotes were going to play in this year. True. And then we'll, we'll move on. So, Zach, 
The restaurant, The Slaughterhouse, has a contest to see who could eat sirloin a lot, a 256-ounce steak. Only two people before Homer had ever done it. One of them was Red Barclay, the truck driver, who then lo- who st- is just about to beat Homer when he dies from beef poisoning, although, as Dr. Hibbert said, that he got at another restaurant. Who is the other person to eat the 256-ounce steak? All right. I know it's like an, it's like an old actor who's very small. Is it Paul Anka? No, it's Tony Randall. Tony, <laughs> Tony Randall. The person least likely to eat 2.56 ounces of steak in the history of the world. It was a, That's a great episode. That is a great episode. Kind of anti-union, but it's a great episode. So, Zach, what will you be ranting about today? I'll be ranting about uh, the minority party in the House Representatives proposal for Medicare for All. Andrew? It's PGA Championship weekend, and uh, the former big boy, not so big boy anymore of pro golf, Bryson DeChambeau, found himself near the top of the leaderboard after day one. I'm going to talk about him, some fun quotes, and how I'm somehow kind of weirdly happy to have him back yeah. <laughs> for, yes. uh, for a, you know, a for, weekend for, 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 <laughs> for a couple days <laughs> for, for comedy reasons only yeah. i will be ranting about the override of the governor's veto in north carolina that will severely limit rights to reproductive freedom for women and the worst human being in the history of the world who is behind this and zach what's our main topic today in our main topic we'll be talking about uh parody in the nba and nhl playoffs lot to look at, lots to discuss with a couple of eight seeds making a run at the championship this late in the playoffs. We get into it uh, when we get back after this at the Bill Bradley Collective. Driving into the crossroads of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So, to start off the rant this week, I wanted to touch on a new proposal by the Democrats uh, in Congress, in the House, uh, that was released by Progressive Caucus Chair Pramila Jayapal from Washington? Yeah, right? she's from Seattle. Yeah, she's from the Seattle. Um, so, the Democrats have been out of power for five months. Uh, and it's important to remember that they were in power for for two months, for two years, they they had a majority. We had all three chambers. We had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And at no point in that time did they ever propose Medicare for all. Even though in the 2020 election, multiple people signed on to a Medicare for all bill that was championed by Bernie Sanders, including the Vice President Kamala Harris, the House uh, did not make a single proposal for Medicare for All on the floor, in any committees. Nobody co-sponsored a big bill. They didn't push it when they were in charge of the House. But now that they're in the minority, where this will never happen uh, because no Republicans are going to vote for it, they're going to propose this to say that's what they stand on and why you should put them back in the majority and what they'll do in the majority, despite all evidence showing that they'll absolutely do nothing. 
which is what Democrats do when they get in charge. They didn't hold, did they hold big hearings on any of the, they had the January 6th commission that they put two Republicans on and they still got called uh, a socialist fake committee. But that's who the Democrats are. They're going to use this to fundraise. Don't give them a dime. They haven't earned it. So I agree with you mostly. Except we didn't have all three. Cha- we didn't have the three branches of the executive branch. I mean, we, we didn't. I mean, we had the presidency. We didn't have. Well, we certainly didn't have the courts, uh, the Supreme Court. We had all three branches of. Uh, but yeah, ec- except House, we, Senate, and except we presidency. didn't because if we remember, Christine Cinema and Joe Manchin voted for nothing, so yeah. we didn't have the Senate, and I'm sure there was pressure to not bring it forward. Because the Democrats would have killed the bill because Manchin is ostensibly a Democrat and Cinema is ostensibly a Democrat. And now if we had had this majority plus the House, that would have been, you know, if, if it was 51-49 plus the House, maybe that would have made sense. But do you think Cinema, like Cinema and Mansion, would have voted for this? There's no way in hell. I also think they're not members of the House, which is no, what I was uh, talking well, no, about. But I, no, but, to, like yeah, Pramila Jayapal didn't propose this when she was when they had control of the House. I'm talking no. about the House. Well, I understand, but Bill, but there's it's still performative if the House does it and it passes when you know it's going to get killed in the Senate. Um, we see a whole bunch of Republican bills coming out of the house that are all batshit crazy they don't even get a hearing in the senate and life moves on it's just performative um i just think it's not true that we it is correct but not true that we had the senate because we had two democratic senators who never voted with the democrats and so i i i agree with you it's bullshit i completely agree with that I am less annoyed about, well, I mean, I don't think we would have gotten the debt ceiling through either. We weren't going to get anything through because Manchin and Cinema demanded a ransom for every vote that they took. And it's one thing when the Republicans do it. It's another thing when the Democrats do it to each other. Uh, the party's a mess. I get that. And I wish she just hadn't brought it forward and said, there's no point because it won't pass. But, you know, it's what it was. From like the outside looking in, um, it's incredibly frustrating to put it mildly to hear about all of these machinations and all of this movement of, of really just like two people kind of holding up healthcare, which is so broken in this country. And I, that whole discourse there was, I mean, great, informative, yeah. but it's just frustrating how it's all a fucking it's it's all just political calculus. And and, and we all get ten, and we all get ten fundraising emails a day about what they'll do. Do if something. They get in get charge, and they don't, they don't do, do anything. Do They've yeah. never done anything. The last time they did something was like sixty-seven. Point the Affordable Care Act or something. Sure. Yeah, the Republican plan for health care. It, it was still something. It would not have. No Republican. No Republican voted for it. No. So it's not really the Republican plan. It's a Democratic plan because they didn't vote for it. It's, uh, it's Friday night. It is late day two of golf's second major of the year, the PGA Championship, being contested in Rochester, New York, the historic Oak Hill Country Club, big boy golf course. 7,300 yards, par 70. Really, the big test this week for these guys, it's going to be total driving, distance and accuracy. you got to be long, got to be straight. And the leaderboard so far, you know, you look at, I look at a guy like Scotty Scheffler, who's tied for the lead now, and I, I can't 
help but think he's going to blow this field away this weekend. He's on top of his game, and he fits the criteria that this course demands. We'll see how it plays out. One of the round one leaders, though, um, you know, talk about proof of life. Bryson DeChambeau, and also speaking of big boys, Bryson DeChambeau, he's back. He's back. One of our arch villains, one of our favorite whipping boys of the last, of the entirety of this podcast, really. Um, haven't had too much to say about him in the last, since he basically joined Liv. I mean, I think his face has been on like the golf milk carton a little bit. He hasn't missed a cut on Liv, but it's also because there's no cut with Liv. <laughs> um, really, since the 2021 US Open, where he had a shot on the back nine to uh, go back to back, couldn't, uh, couldn't hold John, uh, John Rahm from taking over and winning that tournament. His game's been a mess um, for two years now. But here he is yesterday. Really solid. Minus four, 66. And I got to say, the physical transformation. Bryson's down 28 pounds. And this is from the great Kevin Van Valkenburg, formerly of ESPN, now writes for Nulling Up in his dispatch last night. This is Bryson. Quote, I'm eating properly instead of eating stuff that inflames my body. I took a Zoomer peptide test, which essentially tells you what inflames your blood when you eat it. I was allergic to corn, wheat, gluten, dairy. Pretty much everything I liked, I couldn't eat. I took that out. Started taking it out in August, and over the course of time, I've lost all this inflammation. Lost a lot of fat and slimmed down like crazy. I lost 18 pounds in 24 days. It was crazy. It wasn't fat. It was all water weight. You know how I looked before. I was not skinny. I couldn't, because he's such like a man-child, I couldn't like not read something like this and picture like the little one there, Juliet, having a sleepover. And, <laughs> and one of the kids shows up with a piece of paper for, for you and Alicia. And it says, it's basically like, you know, allergies. And it's everything except for like fruits <laughs> and vegetables. And then when you put vegetables in front of the kid, they're like, I don't like these. I'm not going to eat these. And you're like, well, what the fuck are you going to eat? You know, it's, um, I got to admit. And again, I've, he's been one of my favorite punching bags for years. I really, ever since he came out on tour six, seven years ago. Um, I kind of miss this a little bit. I kind of miss having the bag to punch because he's been so kind of helpless professionally and so lost with his game. To see him pop up on a major leaderboard, I don't, I'm, I'm not rooting for the guy. I'm not rooting for his story, for his redemption story, his comeback, but it's more interesting. It was, it, and it's, I'm reading shit like this, and there's so many more great quotes in this piece that, you know, we don't have time to get to, but um, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to have the, the uh, professor, it, professor it, back. It, it's Zach being excited whenever Trump reappears. It's like, oh, great. We, it won't be boring. It'll be insane. I, yeah, it, it, we're not about punching down here. Like, no. we, we're not kicking guys when they're low. We want, we want him on the leaderboards. We can say, that guy sucks. Like, look at it. He's an... You listen to that so, quote. What a fucking so, douche. Like, nothing's changed yeah, he besides dropped, his, he like, dropped body 18, fat. He dropped 18 pounds or 24 days. He didn't eat anything. Yeah. So, He's right. allergic to meat <laughs> exactly. and bread. Well, first of all, <laughs> and I want to preface this by saying I'm not a medical doctor, but people I know who have dairy allergies or gluten allergies Discover it, not when they take a Zoomer test, but when they can't leave the bathroom for more than 20 minutes at a time, anytime they eat that food. So like, you ha like if you have to take a test to tell you that, that, that this inflames your blood, which sounds like something that, I don't know, old drunk Irishman said, you know, it, it inflames the blood. You yeah. got to drink whiskey because it, it, coffee inflames the blood. 
it sounds like one of those things you hear on like those YouTube new age videos where like the healers talk about, you know, inflammation of your joints and bones and body and, you know, take this potion that they sell for twenty nine ninety nine, and you'll become less inflamed. Like he is, his YouTube algorithm has to be a mess. I'm sure Dr. Oz has actually promoted this on his TV show. So we did not do the worst people in sports uh, draft this time. And none of us would have had Trisha Cotham on our list had we done it. But if we want to take the worst person in America right now, ladies division, it's retired. Trisha Cotham ran as a Democrat in North Carolina state legislature. In her fundraising, she talked about that she would be a ceaseless advocate for reproductive rights and women's health. In 2015, she spoke about her own abortion on the floor passionately. And then, this past April, she switched parties and voted, along with her, her new Republican friends, to override the veto of the Democratic governor of North Carolina. They have, they have uh, veto-proof majorities in both the House and the Senate, but there's a, a, Republican, a Democratic governor who has about as much power as Miss America. And she voted with him. Um, here's a bill. It, um, it replaces the former 20-week ban with a 12-week ban, a time frame that many women don't even know they're, they're, they're pregnant. It severely limited the time uh, pregnant people have to seek abortions in case of rape, insect, or fetal abnormality and requires patients to meet with their provider 72 hours before the procedure. This was supposedly done to stop people from driving in from Georgia and Florida and other states because North Carolina gave them more time and North Carolina was kind of an outlier in the South. Now the only outlier is Virginia. Why did she leave this? What changed her mind? Well, when she had the press conference to talk about why she left, she said that she felt that she had been, quote, bullied and, quote, alienated by the Democrats. And as an example, she said Democrats had not clapped for her when she was honored as the youngest woman elected to the state house in March, a claim that flummoxed Democrats who said both parties had applauded. This woman has jeopardized, not jeopardized, severely limited the rights of all the other women in North Carolina after promising them she would be an advocate for them because she did not like that the Democrats didn't applaud lustily enough for her when she received an award. That is the most petty shit imaginable and there is a if there was a god he'd be ashamed of what he did but she should be burning in the lowest circle of hell this is not about principle this is not even about money this is about this karen had her feelings hurt and now every other woman has to suffer person gets feelings hurt Changes party affiliation to the party of fuck your feelings. Very, very <laughs> rational line of uh, decision making there. Yeah, I mean, 
what do you say? If she was a Republican, this wouldn't have happened. Like, there's no Republicans switching over to the Dems because the Republicans are mean to them. Well, there were Republicans who tried to go never Trump because they thought that the, the, the party had become mean to everyone. Still and a- then and then they get primaried and lose, or they're banished. Like they're they're banished because they uh, into no you know uh, minor committees and no votes. I mean, they end up they end up sitting and doing their work uh, in the bench outside. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, just spineless. So there is no parity at all in the politics of the South and North Carolina. But there's incredible parity in the NBA and NHL. And we're going to talk about why that is coming up after the break on the bill. Probably collective. Excuse me, sir. Coffee, tea, chemotherapy. (laughs) No, no, thanks. Maybe later. Hi. I'm a smoker, and while most airlines are turning away my business, I'm glad there's a new alternative for people like me. In the event your cigarettes go out, a plastic mask will drop down, dispensing exhaust fumes directly from our engines. Strap it around your face and inhale normally. <laughs> ah, that's good. So listen, if you like to smoke and you gotta fly, go with the airline that's like an ashtray in the sky. We put the your local cardiologist for details. And welcome back to the Bill Bradley Collective. Um, so it's both it's playoff time for both hockey and NBA. Uh, we have enjoyed both. Uh, I, I've watched more NBA than NHL, but I've watched more NBA this this playoffs than I have in, in a decade. That's uh, I'm really enjoying it. But we're going to start with the NHL, where for us last night, to kind of drive home the point, a quadruple overtime. It was quadruple overtime. Quadruple overtime. Game between the Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Essentially the two and the eight. Right. The Carolina, the the bastard children of the great Hartford Whalers, played a, a four-overtime game that the Panthers finally won. Did you, either of you watch that game? I did, I did not. I watched a little bit of it, but I wasn't staying up till midnight watching a Panthers hurt. If like if, was, if the yeah. Bruins were in it, I would have fallen asleep on the couch right. watching it. But I, I guess even the, uh, you were telling me, Sandra, even the uh, P.I. There was, driving to work this morning on the radio, they played a clip from the game last night. And after the third, during the third overtime intermission, the PA announcer was like apologizing to the fans for the, like the brutal length of the game. Um, almost like begging them to stick around. And yeah. it was kind of bizarre because that's, yeah. Kind of part of playoff hockey's like fabric of these. You get sometimes these abnormally long games, um, and they're they're it, fun if you're a fan of the team. Like it's, I don't yeah, know. I, like it, I think we've seen in these playoffs, like everyone's had a shot in every series, basically. Like except for the Hurricanes Islanders series, the Islanders didn't really show up. Yeah, outgunned, and they didn't get enough. They didn't get the goalie play that they would have needed to be competitive. I just remember, you know, that story with the last night reminds me of two things. One, Bob Murphy in the 17-inning game. The final outs made. He said, the damn thing's finally over. Um, Is that Mets-Astros? Mets, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, Mets. No, those Mets-Braves during the regular season. Oh, and also the uh, Stars-Sabers 
Yeah, games, Stanley Cup. Game seven, right? Game seven. And Hall is in the crease. <laughs> in, in a year when that had become like an OCD thing for the referees. Like if you were if your shadow was in the crease, they were calling it. He's got both feet in the crease. And uh, the goal goes in and I scream, he's in the crease. Forgetting that it was two in the morning and my family was sleeping upstairs. And I remember uh, that not going over well. The Panthers actually had a goal disallowed <laughs> for that same reason. Uh, there was a guy in the crease and they said he hit the goalie. So no goal. Wow. And that was in the first overtime. I didn't think they assumed it would go another three. <laughs> right. But I think like it's been much more, I think, on the Eastern Conference than the Western Conference. But the Bruin, Bruins were historically good uh, this year, setting the single-season record for wins and points. Uh, Lars Olmark was, what, like 42-1 and one or something? Like, he had an insane... And it, it wasn't a trumped-up set. Like, the, their goal differential, which is kind of a better indicator of, like, what should be playoff success, was historically great, just as great as their record. They're... Again, their goal scoring, goal, goals for, goals against, the, the gap was historically large. I do think that that series is kind of a good microcosm of why, how upsets can happen. Twofold. Like, if you're a team like Florida, who last year were the President's Cup, they, they had the highest point total in the regular season. Lost in the second round to the two-time defending champ, Tampa Bay Lightning. This year, they got the eighth seed. They get in this, this series with the Bruins. Two things. You've got, when you have, and you're the Panthers, you have a goal scorer like Matthew Kachuk, and a goalie as good as Sergei Bobrovsky, you always have a chance in a best of seven. Always. Yeah, and Bobrovsky got hot right at the end of the year. They won seven of the last eight, right, to get in? For sure. Yes, they they, they, they came in hot. The Bruins, not having, and this is where injuries also come into play, who you're putting out there, not having their captain, their guy, Patrice Bergeron, those first two games, and, and they split those games, and they get up 3-1. But he was definitely compromised physically in that series. So to me, it's the hot players, but it's also... Injuries. I mean, hockey, playoff hockey is amazing. But there's no sport that has a larger disconnect between the regular season and the postseason than um, the NHL. The President's Cup, uh, President's Trophy winner, which goes to the best record in in the during the regular season. Nobody's won had won the President's Cup and the Stanley Cup. And the Stanley Cup in over a decade. It's like they call it a President's curse. Tro- President's yeah. Cup curse. Yeah, President's yeah. Trophy. Yeah, so President's Trophy. But I think me. like it is important. The regular season is important in the sense of it's a lot like the NCAA basketball regular season, where you have to be good enough to put yourself in a position where you can win four games out of seven. And you know, where home ice and yeah. yeah, that like you you know you want to give yourself the best record because you want to have home ice, but. You also just want to get there because hockey, more so than really any other sport, baseball being probably the least of one. Like, an eight-seed winning is not uncommon. A seven-seed winning is not uncommon. It's really hard to do in the NFL. In the NFL, it's almost always one of the top two teams because the physical dominance. NBA traditionally has also been, you know, I mean, how many years did we walk in knowing that the finals were going to be the Cavaliers and the Warriors. They were the best two teams. Four years in a row. It wasn't close, and so we're going to transition, or or the, knowing the Miami Heat was going to be there. Or just real quickly, um, just to close, the, the 2014 LA Kings, uh, eighth seed in the West, they have an awful first half. Fire the coach, new coach. They sneak in the playoffs, eighth seed. Stanley Cup champs. That was less than 10 years ago. Right. Again, riding a hot goalie, James Quick from Connecticut. Exactly. NBA 
this year, not only have the playoffs been incredibly, you know, signs of incredible parity. I mean, the eight seed beat a one seed, which almost never happens. But the seven and the other division, the seven beat the two. Yep. Um, and, you know, so this it's been a very unusual playoff. But even during the regular season, there was tremendous amounts of parity. There were more teams bunched in the middle than ever before. There was nobody with a giant point differential. I have some theories about this, but why do you think that is? I don't want to. I, I didn't want to get into like load management, but if you let's look at the, let's look at the eight seed Heat, seven seed Lakers, both in the conference finals. Again, I kind of made the point with the Panthers. If if you have a healthy Jimmy Butler and a healthy Bam Adebayo, like the Heat do, you surround them with enough some shooting, some 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 streaky shooting, some some hot shooting. That's a team that can beat anybody in a best and, of and seven. And, 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 and the best <laughs> that certainly helps. The best coach in professional sports. Lakers similarly with AD and, and LeBron. I really like Darvin Ham, the coach there. I think he's you know they've they made some they were kind of stuck in the mud a little bit during the regular season. They made some moves at the deadline, brought in some guys that you might not have. D'Angelo Russell being one, he's he's a fit. Like he kind of works. You can again. I think trade deadline is a thing. I think being healthy at the right time is a thing. This year specifically, um, again with the, the Heat beating the Bucks, you know Giannis has compromised the whole series. That's that's huge. That's right. enormous. My my thing. I think there's more talent coming out of college basketball than there has been in a long time. I mean, you look at the Heat. It's Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and guys that weren't either high draft picks or weren't drafted. It's a lot of right. floats. Of yeah, yeah like Marcus Strauss, right? What's the Struess? Struess? Yeah, for sure. Who the hell is that guy? Well, they, I, you know, they picked him off some... They thought, they picked him off a court in South Beach. Like, I, well, I think <laughs> it's, it's more than that. It's not coming out of college. It's coming out of European leagues where they're playing with adults, and it's coming out of the, you know, the G League where they're playing with adults and also playing not 25 or 30 games. It's 60 games. Uh, and I think that's coming in at one end. So you have all these younger guys who, I mean, you know, Jason Tatum is 25 and put, is putting up 50 points. Um, you know, you, you've got teams led by kids. You know, Devin Booker's 26. You know, guys who are younger than traditional stars at this level are. And on the other side, because of advances in medical science, because of load management, because guys are taking, staying in shape and much more seriously, despite the fact, you know, the, I remember the fear was, well, guys are just not going to play because they're rich. It's like, no, they want to keep playing. So you see the best player on the Warriors is Steph Curry, who's 35 and still one of the 10 best players in the league. Uh, LeBron definitely showing signs of age. Yeah, I mean. But he, but he was. He was 22, tw uh, 22, 10, and 9 yesterday, and he had a, uh, he was 26, 9, and 9 in game one, and he's 38 years old. Kevin Durant, 34, putting up 40-point uh, games. So you've got, these, you've got older guys staying in, in shape and being good, and that's keeping teams around longer. The Warriors are lasting longer than ever before. You know, some of these teams are lasting. The, the, Miami's lasting because Jimmy Butler doesn't, Jimmy Butler doesn't get tired because he plays 28 regular season games a year. But you also have young teams like Sacramento who gave the Warriors everything they could handle and what what was it, the best series in the playoffs. And, um, you know, Jamal Murray's still young. and they So you've got 
these teams that shit shit teams draft, and suddenly everybody's pretty competitive. Even you know San Antonio is going to be good next year. They have Webin Yamu. You you forgot one of the veterans who has been incredibly important to the eight seed Heat, Mr. Kevin Love, <laughs> doing nothing but firing threes and watching guys go by him on defense. How, how, and Cleveland, who lock, who managed one win in game in the first series, right? They they got to be four four to one. Cleveland, yeah, they won they won two games. Two four games, four to two. Yeah. They bought out Kevin Love so he could he could go to some place where he'd be able to play. Which was very thoughtful of them, and then they had no backup big men, and and so when they ran into, and so Mobley and, and uh, Jared Allen are playing like forty three minutes. They're not ready for it. It was insane. I couldn't understand it in the moment. Like, that was the difference in that series was the depth of the Knicks versus the depth of the Cavs. If you're the Cavs front office and you're watching that Knicks series, Knicks Heat series, you're watching Kevin Love what he did to the Knicks in a couple of those games. It's like, oh my god, we had this fucking guy. He could have had this role on this on our team, and we would have beaten the Knicks. Yeah. Um, with regard to the Heat, Spolster is like a Riley guy. He came up under Pat Riley, and he's kind of doing the opposite Pat Riley thing and doing it's much more of like a what Popovich kind of made with you know with the Spurs of just Duncan sixty games, Parker sixty games, Ginobili sixty games. So let's just Kawhi there playing sixty games as a as a young guy. Let's just let's get to April, and we'll, and we'll let's 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 get there, do enough to get there, but then we'll turn it on, then we're gonna ramp it up. And that's, like you said, Jimmy Butler, how many games did he play in the regular season this year? Was it over 40? I mean... It was around 40. Around so that, 40? Well, now, by this time, I, you know. On the other side of the coin, Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George didn't play much for the Clippers, and then they didn't play in the playoffs either, because those guys can't stay healthy at all. Chris Paul couldn't stay healthy at all. Also, Chris Paul, 39 years old, old yeah. still having a productive career. I mean, that. so it's... I just think there's so much talent in the league right now that... You know, you see these guys you've never heard of suddenly lighten you up for 26, 28 points. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, who's like the fourth guy on uh, there, yeah, well, give him an opportunity. He's great. What's the name of the guy in the Lakers that, that's been able to have, be, you don't want to call it success, but been pretty okay against Jokic up? Yaramar, no, Rui, 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 Rui Hachimura. Hachimura, yeah. yeah. Who's a top 10 pick yeah, in, in the Zaga, NBA draft. Yeah. Um, right. Um, he made his first seven shots last night. Like he played know? great last he night. Great uh, uh, what he hasn't done is rebound. He's got he has two rebounds in two games. Uh, they that team can't rebound at all. Do you, no. Do you think because the ultimate test of like parity is, you know, in the finals, is it going to be one versus one? Which well, it can't be. It can't be. Or but is it going to be the top seeds, or do the lower seeds like actually have a chance? Like in hockey and basketball, do you think the Panthers have a chance to like? win it all or is it going to be stars hurricanes and like in the nba is it going to be denver versus boston i think the panthers have a much more live chance than the heat or the lakers the lakers are down 2-0 now so they're probably cooked obviously the heat well, won, but i mean i mean they were in both games sure. it was the, the, the total point differential is 11 they, uh lebron had some uncharacteristic LeBron, lebron moments i mean when he when he dropped the ball in the dunk on the breakaway like i've never seen that of course, not only is he 38, but he's playing at altitude. And he's playing 42 minutes a game at altitude. Because they can't, they, when they take him off the court, nothing happens uh, at all. I would not be shocked to see the Heat beat the Celtics at all. I think the difference in coaching is massive. You have the worst coach in the NBA versus the best coach in the NBA. Oh, yeah, that Celtics <laughs> team, he can't coach at all. It's just, Tatum's just out there doing whatever he well, wants. Well, he also, 
I think he believes that the um, timeouts are like an HSA, and if you don't use them, you get to keep them for you know yeah. roll them over to the next year because he doesn't call timeouts ever for any reason. And the one time he did, he went over to talk to the to the other guys, and Horford and Smart just took over and started drawing up plays. It's like it's. He's, he seems more like a substitute teacher than any coach I've ever seen. You don't think it can happen, but I really think there's a non-zero chance that the Celtics could win the title and Missoula still gets shit-canned. I honestly think that is a possibility. Anything short of a title, I think he's definitely gone. Even if they win, I could see them moving on. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he can. I know. You, I know. But I think I, he's bad. I mean, we'll see <laughs> tonight. tonight's game, too. But for us, yeah. if for us, you know, on, <laughs> you, on Friday. You, you, you've by, already seen. You've already listened to game three. Tuesday will be game. Let's see. Friday. It's a good chance they know who are in the finals. Yeah. Tu- Tuesday will no. be Tuesday. No, Tuesday will be game four of the uh, Celtics heat series. Every other night. So yeah, Friday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. Yeah. So good. we'll I mean, we'll see what that looks like. But there's every chance in the world. Right? We <coughs> two one heat. Yeah. Because they'll be playing their second game in Miami. Yeah. And I think in the NHL, Bobrovs- Bobrovsky has stayed hot. Like, the Panthers can absolutely take this. Like, And he's awesome. Like, he's had a hell of a career. He's a damn accomplished goalie, and he's peaking at the right time here. So, so you, did you you said Celtics? Uh, I think I think the Heat are going to beat the Celtics. I think the Nuggets are going to win it all in, in, uh, basket, in the NBA. I think if the Panthers get by the Hurricanes, they'll they have a chance to take it. If Bobro, if Bobrovsky stays hot and Kachuk stays hot, they can beat the Knights. They can beat the Stars. Andrew, I think the Nuggets are the team to beat. I can see the Heat Celtics series going either way. I still favor the Celtics, in spite of the huge you know just coaching disparity. Um, NHL, yeah, I'm kind of on the Panthers to come out of the East, but I, I do think both West teams are like a cut above. And again, it, it, you hope that. Bobrovsky cools off a little bit, because but if he keeps playing like this and Kachuk, I mean, it, it could be again twenty fourteen all over again. An eight seed takes the Cup final. So, given the fact that the NHL inevitably has the worst possible things happen to it in terms of popularity, I think we're going to see Stars Panthers, two fan bases who could care less, playing on shitty ice, um, because it's because it's one hundred and sixteen outside. It's not what the TV partners want. No, it's not. <laughs> they, don't want any, they want any of these teams. No. Maybe Vegas, but not. Any yeah, no, no, it's not what they want. Um, and I, I'll take the stars there. On nothing more than it just seems like the last time we had this conversation about parody was they won that one, one yeah. too. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to pick the Nuggets. They've got the best player in the world. Um, and Jamal Jamal Murray is like a baby butler in that. He when the was playoff, awesome last night. When the playoffs night. start, he's just a different guy. He was awesome. Yeah. So with that, uh, we hope you enjoy your uh, playoff basketball and hockey, and we will see you next week on the Bill Bradley Collective. As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you like today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.